please do take a seat. And if you've got a Bible with you, please turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I'll read from uh, verse 25 to verse 40 shortly. Um, Maybe comment on some verses outside of that as well. But John chapter 6, verse 25 to 40 will be our reading this morning. But before we read that, let me ask you uh, this question. Now, are you happy with the life choices that you have made? How are they working out for you? Do you have everything that you want? Have you ever wondered what it would feel like to have everything that you ever need? Have you ever wondered when these questions will stop? They'll stop now. Don't worry. The reason I ask all these questions is because Jesus Christ is going to make a massive claim this morning. If you've got your Bible open, just look down. We'll read it shortly, but just look down now what he says in verse 35. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now he's speaking figuratively about the essence of life, and he's saying if you come to him, he will give you everything you could ever truly want and truly need. And it's a huge claim, and it does need some unpacking, but ultimately this is what Christians believe about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the one who gives us everything that we truly need. Now, if you're a visitor here this morning, I'm really glad you're here. Thanks very much uh, for joining us. And normally it's our habit to preach through different books of the Bible. So at the moment, we're in uh, the book of James, which we'll be returning back to uh, next week. But because it's half term and because the universities have just had events weeks and it's a bit of a one off, we thought we'd just get back to one of the uh, key claims about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We'll be back in James next week. But this this morning, I want us to consider this claim of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is uh, the bread of life and that whoever comes to him will never hunger and never thirst. He gives us everything that we could uh, ever need. Uh, different universities uh, this week have been uh, putting on uh, different events weeks for their friends to come and hear about the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, one of them has, taught, has been called Journey. And of course, Journey implies destination, doesn't it? Where are we heading to? Uh, another one of these weeks was called searching. And of course, you, when you're searching, the obvious question is searching for what? And that was the point of the week. What are we searching for? How have you found what you're searching for? But of course, these questions aren't unique to students, are they? We're all on a journey. We're all searching for something, but sometimes we don't know where we're heading or what we're searching for. We just know uh, that we are on a journey and that we are searching I remember uh, when I just finished university, I started working and a much older guy, as I think about it, he was probably about my age now, but a much older guy doing his job, quite a well-paid job, he just shrugged and said to me, sort of to himself, but you know, for me to hear and look at me afterwards, what's the point of it all, eh? What is the point? A well-paid job, but the daily grind had worn him down. What was the point? What is the point? In our passage this morning, Jesus is going to answer that question. And he's going to say, if you want to know what life is all about, come to me. It's a big claim. It's not a particularly complicated claim. It is a big claim, though, isn't it? 
And what I want to, what, what I want us to do this morning is to just understand what he's saying and then to consider its plausibility and then trust that claim for ourselves. So my aim is pretty big this morning as well. But these are words of the Lord Jesus Christ and they are worth taking seriously. Now, as we can have this reading, I want us to consider uh, firstly what's happened in the sort of the previous episode. We're sort of halfway through a story here. And just before our reading, we need to know that Jesus has done two amazing miracles. Firstly, uh, maybe his most famous miracle, he's fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. Two fish, not two fishes. Um, Two fish. And secondly, he's walked on water. And you might think, okay, already, that is a deal breaker for me. How can I trust Jesus? How can I trust the Bible when the Bible claims that there's this guy who walks on water and miraculously uh, fills crowds the size of small football stadiums. Well, I want to put it to you that actually we all believe in miracles in one way or another. Now, one person I know, I think very helpfully put it this way. We all believe in the virgin birth. Everyone believes in the virgin birth. If you're a Christian, you believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. But if you're not a Christian, if you're an atheist, if you're a materialist, Uh, You believe in the virgin birth of the universe. It all came from nothing. So we all believe in miracles. You pick your miracle. Now, if you want to assess Jesus' miracles, the way to assess them is by listening to how he explains these miracles and why he says they're significant. And that's what we're going to do now as we read this passage. So quite a long introduction, but let's go to John chapter 6, verse 25 to 40. when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me and this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day for this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day some, some very famous words of Jesus. I wonder if you recognized any of them. 
And we're not going to go through every word in detail, but I just want to single out a few of the claims that Jesus makes. And the first one is this, life in this world won't sustain you. Life in this world won't sustain you. There's nothing in this world that will ultimately sustain you. So do you remember, Jesus has just done this uh, great miracle. He's fed 5,000 people with very little food, then walked on water. He's like, if you are sort of a, a walking Audi, or no, a walking Waitrose vending machine, he will just give you whatever you want. You come up to him and he dispenses food. But Jesus is saying, hold on for a second. Don't miss the wood from the trees. I listen to his words again in verse 26. He says, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, he's saying that you're hungering after the wrong stuff. He's saying there's more to life than what is in this world. You eat, you'll be hungry again. But I will give you more. I will ultimately feed you. And Jesus is talking here about the essence of life. You see, the people were following, they were just following him to get the food, to get the material benefit. But he said, no, no, no. That was just a sign that points to something else. And Jesus is saying, look, there's nothing in this world that will ultimately sustain you. And of course, we all know that at one level, don't we? We know that the things of this life don't ultimately sustain us. We know that we're always left uh, wanting more. It's the second and hopefully last time I'll refer to uh, Traitors uh, up front, the TV series. Uh, but again, when I, when I watch series one at the end of it, I, you know, it was actually a really good ending. But as the credits came, I was like, well, was that it? What was, was that it? Now, of course, there was a series two. That wasn't it. But it'll be exactly the same thing if I watch that, won't it? Is, is, is that it? That was good while it lasted, but is that it? So we see it on TV. We see it on social media, don't we? We scroll and we scroll and we scroll and we can't stop. We're hungry for more and more and more. But whatever forces to stop, sometimes it's circumstances. We think, oh, I've got, I've got to go now. We then just think, was, was that it? Was that, I'll never get that hour back of scrolling. Uh, take academic theory. I studied uh, economics at university and something you study quite early on in uh, economics is the law of diminishing marginal utility. Now, it's been a long time, uh, but if I remember rightly, um, it sounds complicated, but really simple. And it basically says that the more you have of something, the less satisfaction you'll get of that next thing. In other words, the fifth Cadbury's cream egg is not as good as the first. They don't satisfy ultimately, do they? Satisfaction is elusive. Say the witness of celebrities who have everything. One of my favorite quotes, this is Jim Carrey. Everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. It's not the answer to the essence of life. And we know this by our own experience, don't we? There are loads of short-term exciting things to do in life, aren't there? Children, just think of that experience of that new toy. We love it, don't we? Or just think about Christmas Day or your birthday. So exciting, but then it passes. Adult, life's quite dull now, isn't it? It's amazing how excited we get about a kitchen gadget, isn't it? But then it's just clogging up space on the side new pair of trainers, a new phone, uh, getting on the property ladder, and possibly even a new romantic relationship. We're all left wanting more. And, and, and even as Christians, in many ways I'm speaking to unbelievers, but I'm speaking to Christians as well. 
We know this to be true, don't we? But we forget it all the time, don't we? Listen to Jesus' words. Verse 27, do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Why don't these things endure? Well, Jesus is saying that there is nothing in this life that will ultimately sustain you because nothing in this life ultimately lasts. Even the best things, even relationships don't last forever. So firstly, Jesus is making this claim that nothing in this life will sustain you. But then more importantly, he goes on to a second thing and he says this, life in Jesus will sustain you. Or you might say life in me will sustain you. Now, look at verse 35. This is the verse we looked at earlier. Really important. He says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, what's he saying? We're saying that he is completely different from anything else in this world because only he can fill us and only Jesus can truly sustain us. Only Jesus will keep on being with us to sustain us and satisfy us only in Jesus we can say actually I am full I am perfectly full I need no more I've had enough well how is he different from anything else in this world well firstly he's personal in one sense it's stated totally obvious but Jesus is a person he doesn't say I am the bread of life whoever goes to church or whoever is religious or whoever obeys the rules shall not hunger. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will have eternal life. Life is about coming to Jesus personally and knowing him. Knowing him even in the darkest circumstances. Knowing the hope that the Lord Jesus Christ is with you and that he loves you. And sometime, somehow he will get you through it. That's what we would see if we kept reading in our passage. Just uh, over the page in my Bible, look at um, John uh, 6, verse 56. Here it says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Uh, life is ultimately about relationships. You might be thinking, actually, relationships are the most important thing to me. And which you say, yes, you're on the right lines. Relationships are the most important thing, but there is one relationship and only one relationship that will ultimately sustain you. That is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Even other relationships won't ultimately sustain you. Again, we know this to be true, don't you? Are your friendships perfect or do they sometimes let you down or do you sometimes let others down? Is your marriage perfect? It's unlikely And even if those relationships were perfect, even if your friendships, your marriage, your your work relationships were perfect, they can't see you through death, can they? Uh, Very recently, my grandmother died and she had many, many, many good relationships. She had a big family and she was close to everyone. She was dearly loved. And yet she knew that none of those relationships could get her through to eternal life. She enjoyed them, but she wasn't dependent on those relationships as her bread of life. Thankfully, thankfully, she was dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ as her bread that would sustain her through to eternal life. And that's what we need to know about Jesus. 
He is personal, but he's also eternal and he gives eternal life. Did you see that in verse 27? He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life. I'm sure that again in verse 40, for this is the will of my father, that everyone who who looks on the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. A life in Jesus satisfies because he's a person and he's an eternal person who offers eternal life. Uh, for, all of, for all of us, a life without Jesus, the clock is just ticking, isn't it? And pretty soon, it doesn't take very long uh, before we start to think, shouldn't have there been more? It used to be called the midlife crisis. Now it's often called the quarter life crisis. Where you go to university, you smash it out the park, you get an amazing graduate job, suddenly you get money thrown at you and you've got no dependence. You think, is, is this it? Wasn't there meant to be more? I guess that's a hypothetical situation for most of us. Most of us get to 30 or 40 or 50 and we think the clock is ticking. I've run out of time. Have I done enough? Was that it? But the Christian, when he or she has those thoughts, thinks, hold on a second. I'm feeding on bread that gives me eternal life. I have eternal life, therefore I can have peace. And it really is eternal life that Jesus promises. It's not just eternal existence, but eternal life. I was uh, in the Headingley Library um, about a year or so ago, and I found a children's book. And it was basically answering the question to children, what happens when I die? But from a materialistic perspective, not the perspective of Christianity, And I think if I was trying to accurately summarize the book, its answer to what happens when I die would be something like this. Look, don't worry about death. Because when you die, the atoms and molecules and particles of your body will be part of the wider universe. And that makes you significant. Now, I guess the point of science, that is true. When we die, our bodies go into the ground, they decompose, uh, don't they? But as a point of philosophy... As a point of comfort, it was completely useless. Why? Because I don't want eternal existence. That's not what I'm after. I'm not after eternal existence. I'm after eternal life. I want to know people. I want to love people. I want to be loved. I want to be known and be known. And that is what the Lord Jesus Christ is promising. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ has come to me as a person and I'll give you eternal life not just eternal existence eternal life he says come to me and I'll be with you always I will abide with you always I will abide with you in the hardest circumstances I will help you in the most difficult situations God came to earth in Jesus so that we could know him and relate to him and give us eternal life And that's why he says in verse 40, he will raise us up on the last day. He'll raise us up physically as people again after our death, not as atoms, as part of, you know, a collapsed solar system, but as people. And after he first spoke these words, he went on to prove that he could give eternal life because in the same way that he died and rose again from the dead, he promised that he would rise all from the dead who trusted in him. 
So life uh, in this world won't sustain you, but life in Jesus will sustain you. Well, it sounds good, doesn't it? But what's the catch? What's the cost? Well, the catch is the cost. The cost of eternal life is very expensive. It's more than you or I can afford because the cost is our lives. The cost is our blood. But there's a catch to the catch. The catch to the catch is that the cost has been paid by the Lord Jesus Christ himself by giving himself on the cross. And that leads to the final thing that I want us to see from Jesus this morning. Life in Jesus is offered to everyone without exception. To everyone without exception. And we've heard this already a number of times this morning. Did you see that verse 35? Jesus said, whoever comes to him will not hunger and whoever believes in him shall not thirst. And just in case you want that cast iron guarantee, we see it again in verse 37. All that the father gives to me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That is remarkable. He's saying anyone could come to me. Anyone could come to me. And I would never cast them out. Jesus is not offering himself to good people. He's not offering himself to clever people. He's not offering himself to wise people or attractive people or to people who have their lives together. He's offering himself to everyone. And so whoever takes him up on that offer will have eternal life. To those who are hungering and thirsting because they have found that life in this world does not satisfy. Jesus says, come to me. Of course you found that life doesn't satisfy because you've been uh, looking for the wrong thing. Come to me and I will abide with you and I will give you eternal life. So life in Jesus is offered to everyone, but we do need to take him up on this offer. Uh, last summer term, I was driving the kids to school and our journey goes past Headingley Stadium. And it was the first day of the ashes uh, at Headingley. And the kids were sort of asked me what was going on and I was explaining to them and they said oh can we go and I said no no, we can't go uh, we don't have a ticket I'd love to have a ticket I just don't know how to get tickets and the reason I was taking the kids to school that day is because there was um, a meeting at school that I used to be part of um, school started at nine o'clock about half nine halfway through this meeting I got a call from Harriet I said, well, that's strange. She knows I'm in a meeting. She knows that in ordinary circumstances, she, she probably wouldn't interrupt this meeting. So it must be important. I think, oh, what's happened? Uh, maybe the car's broken down or maybe I took her keys by mistake or maybe a student's turned up and I've forgotten about. So I picked up the call and she said, do you want to go and see England versus Australia at Headingley Stadium today? And I suddenly left the room. I couldn't have this uh, conversation in this important meeting that was going on. I just thought, how? Why? What's, what's the cost going to be? And to cut a long story short, short Harris got these uh, two long-standing friends. I don't know particularly well, but I live in uh, further North Yorkshire. And uh, his husband and wife were going to come and watch the cricket. They love the cricket. But their parents, who were babysitting for them so that they could come, had got COVID. So uh, the wife said to husband, let you go and take my ticket with you. So they had a free ticket. And it had already been paid for. It just needed at someone to take it up and to me it was completely free and they said look all you have to do is turn up and accept the ticket it's been paid for just come 
And so I did. And what a day it was. But I did have to turn up and accept the offer. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying. Eternal life has been paid for. It is offered for free. But we do have to take the Lord Jesus Christ up on it. We don't deserve his presence. We don't deserve him abiding with us eternally. We don't deserve eternal life. But in his death, he's paid that we might get all those things, that we might have him. And so now to us, the offer is completely free. He says, come to me. Take me up on the offer. What what does that look like? What does it look like to take up Jesus on the offer of eternal life? Well, again, look uh, down a few verses from our reading. Let's look at verse uh, 51. Jesus says this. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. The bread that Jesus offers is himself and specifically his death on the cross. That's what we're going to commemorate shortly uh, in as we, t- as we take the Lord's Supper. That's what we're remembering. So to come to Jesus means to, means to feed on his death at the cross. It means daily to remember it, uh, that you are totally loved by him. To daily remember that he is totally merciful. To daily remember that he will abide with you because he loves you. He says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Now, if you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I know for a fact there are some people here this morning who wouldn't call themselves Christians. Can I ask you, what is stopping you for coming to the Lord Jesus Christ as the bread that will sustain you? Have you got anything else that you have found has been proven to sustain you without disappointment? Do you have any hope that will take you through the grave that is, has any comparison to what the Lord Jesus Christ says of himself and has proved that he can get through the grave? Life in Jesus lasts forever. Aren't you fed up with the limitations that life in this world has to offer you? Jesus says, come to me. Feed on me. I will not drive you away. I promise you I will embrace you and I will abide with you and I will sustain you and I will give you my mercy daily whenever you mess up because you will. But that won't stop me uh, abiding with you. That won't stop me being your bread. Now, for some of us, that will need more thought. But for others of us, we know what that means. And yet we've never come to Jesus. Let me ask you, why not? Why not come to Jesus this morning? He will not drive you away. Most of us would call ourselves Christians here, though, this morning. And here this morning as a believer, let me ask you, have you been feeding on the Lord Jesus Christ this last week? Have you been feeding on him? Have you remembered that he is your daily bread? He is your merciful Lord. He is your merciful friend. He has been with you this last week, whether or not you have remembered him. I, I find I'm so quick to forget Jesus' mercy. And I find bizarrely, I'm particularly quick to forget his mercy 
when I need his mercy most. But the good thing is he never stops being merciful, even though I forget him. But can I encourage us as believers this coming week to keep feeding on Christ because he is the bread that we need. It is his mercy that we need. It is his abiding presence and his help by the spirit that we need to get us through this life. And he promises he will. He promises that he will get us uh, through this life. And if you are anything like me, hear his words again this morning and take them into the coming week. Here's verse 38 again. All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Come to Jesus daily for mercy this coming week, and he will give it to you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you that you have set your seal on the Lord Jesus Christ. You gave him to us to be the bread that sustains us. You gave him to us that we might receive your mercy. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you invite us to come to you. And we praise you for your promise that you will never cast us away. We are sorry uh, when we think that you need us rather than we need you. Help us this week to know the joy that it is to abide in you, to feed on you, to know your mercy and to look forward to eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.